Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jordan Lancaster. Try it one more time. You guys ready for the word? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, listen, well, I'm so excited. My name is Pastor Jordan. I'm the executive pastor here. So if I have not met you, I want to say welcome. Um, and I have the opportunity to, uh, to uh, bring the word to you today. Um, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I believe God has an agenda today. Uh, he has an opportunity, as you can see, a giant opportunity for every single one of us. Last week at the end of the message, uh, we learned one thing that stuck when the pastor left us with is that we need to do less speaking and more listening. Anybody remember that if you were here? Less speaking and more listening. And for me, it stuck with me all week, brought me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, and just kind of the Lord began to... Uh, kind of brutal meshes on the inside of me. So I want to uh, go with you there, 1 Samuel chapter 15. Before I do, I want to give you a, a backdrop, kind of the spark notes of, of what's happening up to this point. So who we have here, we have Saul who has just been rejected as king. The Lord told him to, to wipe out the Amalekites, to take out their animals, to take out their possessions, to take out the king. And he spared the king and half of the animals because the people that he was listening to told him to. So he was easily influenced by what he heard and uh, not by the voice of God. And so we have here Saul's rebuttal with, with the prophet here about what he has done. And, and it's kind of a repentance slash rebuttal, not a very good repentance, but we're going to take a look at what he says here. In verse 24, Saul says this, it says, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And uh, then it goes on to say that verse 25, now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord or that I may come back into my kingship or may, I, I want it back. But Samuel said to Saul, he said, I'm not going to return with you. He said, for you have uh, rejected the Lord, been a disobedient, uh, and the Lord has rejected you in return, being king over Israel. And so I want to set this up here. I don't, I want to set this up utilizing um, two kings here. We're going to look at the parallel between two kings, which is King Saul and King David and their journey to Goliath together. Um, they were both on a journey and ended up being at the same place at the same time with completely different outcomes. And so we're going to parallel these two between the, the kingship of Saul, the kingship of David, their journeys to Goliath. I want to see how it plays out. In the scripture, um, the Goliath is a symbol of, of great opposition, of great resistance. And and David faced, we know the story, that David faced Goliath. He was the one who went on the battlefield. He's the one that, that faced Goliath, and he won the victory. And we have Saul, on the other hand, who was there, who heard the, the same message. He heard the same thing that, that David heard, but he refused to fight the giant. Why? David walked out on faith, and, and, and Saul resided and hid himself behind fear. How many would like to live in faith and not fear today? And so we see, we see the parallel of both kings at the same place. And so the question is not, when you face your giant, will you see a victory? Because I want you to know that God, the battle, the word says the battle belongs to the Lord. Uh, the question is, are you going to actually face your giant? 
Saul had an opportunity to face his giant and refused. David stepped up and said, hey, I'm going to go out and see what I can do against this guy in the name of the Lord. So, so we have, there's, there, there's two options here. We just read in 1 Samuel 15 that Saul says in his repentance that he listened to the voice of the people and not the voice of God. And so we see two different journeys here, one being Saul who was a crowd pleaser and one being David who was a God chaser. So we have the two, two variables here, two different journeys to the same destination, and let's see what plays out. There are three key influences that are rallying for your destiny. They're either going to derail you or they're going to promote you. And I want to speak about those things today that I feel like are prevalent in our churches, are prevalent in all of our lives, in my life. It doesn't matter because, listen, if you do anything greater than yourself, you're always going to struggle with influences. You hear me? And the first influences I want to talk about is the influence of insecurity. The influence of insecurity. So you cannot pursue something greater than yourself and not have to fight or deal with insecurity in your life. It's just impossible. It's unavoidable. Insecurity is unavoidable when you're pursuing something bigger than yourself because you realize that you can't do it by yourself. And there's always two mechanisms with dealing with insecurity. The first mechanism is that happens when you find out that, you're, that, that insecurity is kind of attaching itself to you. The first thing that you begin to, you can either do is reside in a place of pride. The second, the second mechanism against insecurity is confidence in God. Here's what pride is. Pride is nothing more than perverted confidence. You hear me? It's nothing more, whereas God confidence, or excuse me, confidence in God, I've yelled at him. My son ran a 75-yard touchdown yesterday in his first ever football game. Yeah. I say that because I screamed louder then than y'all did at service today, so my voice is like gone. And so I was like, I was like that dad on the sideline, right? you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, my voice is gone. Uh, but, but I just want to celebrate that for a moment, right? That's worth it. I got a microphone. I can do it. Why not, right? Frau dad. Y'all can't stop me. See, I'm still talking about it. Y'all probably like, hush. I'm like, no, he did it again, right? Uh, don't matter. Uh, but anyway, so that was yesterday. So you can, have, you can have pride or you can have confidence in God. And the difference is this morning is that you have a, a, a decision to make of how you're going to handle it. God confidence makes you feel good. It gives you encouragement, but it never lets you be the author, author of your feeling good. Like it empowers you, but you're never the author of the power that's on the inside of you. You're in a great place, but you're never the author and the finisher of your great place. It's always God. Pride says you did it. If it weren't for you, it wouldn't have happened. Like it's me. It's all about me. It's a perverted confidence. See, here's what happens. Pride defines, but God reminds Pride defines that, hey, this is all about you. But God reminds you, if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be today? That's what, hey, that's what God reminds you that, hey, you can't beat this giant, but through me, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It reminds you that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. It reminds you who you are in God. So pride defines you, but God reminds you who you are in him. And so 
It reminds you that you're not a slave to the world. It might remind you that just because you got a bad report for the doctor, it don't have to stay bad, right? It reminds you that he is the healer. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who died 2,000 years ago on the cross so that you could live free from the sin that so easily ensnares you. He is the one. You can either listen to the world's definition or the Lord's recollection. Which one are you going to listen to? Are you going to be, are you going to be one listen to, to pride or confidence in God? So Samuel comes to Saul. Let's look at these journeys. Samuel comes to Saul and begins to anoint him the king over Israel. God says, all right, people, I'm going to listen to you, and I anoint you a king. He comes to Samuel, and Samuel begins to give, uh, talk to, give Saul the blessing of, of kingship, and Saul's response to him is say, hey, I think you've got the wrong guy. Because Samuel showed up to give Saul confidence in his insecurities. But the problem is that Saul did not respond positively. He says, I think you got the wrong guy. Let me tell you why. Anybody ever got a list why you can't do something? Right? Can I get an amen on that? Like, I got a list of why I can't, I, I just don't be able to do this, God. I mean, uh, time, money, resources, people, right? I don't like people, so you're telling, you know, all this kind of different stuff. But God says, hey, and he says, listen, this is why you got the wrong guy. He says, I'm from the smallest tribe of all of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. And not only am I from the smallest tribe, the, the least equipped tribe and the most resourced tribe, my family in that small tribe is the worst family of all. And you're coming to me, why are you speaking to me about this? And so his insecurities began to well up on the inside of him. And, and, and basically, here's what insecurity does. Insecurity will have you thinking that you are less than what you're called to do. It'll have you thinking you're less. And it, and it disguises itself. It disguises itself in fake humility. Like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not them. When God says, I've called you to be great. And you're like, ah, I'm just not, I just can't because I'm not equipped. Like my resources, my lineage, my heritage, my mama and daddy, and my finances, my bank account, everything. I can't give like they give. I can't serve like they serve. I can't pray like they pray. I can't worship like because I'm just different. And God says, I'm not calling you to live in your insecurity. I'm calling to give you confidence outside of your insecurity so you can do something better, so you have great opportunities in your life. And so some, a lot of times we miss moments hiding behind the baggage of insecurity. The Bible says that when God found Saul and went to, that when Samuel found Saul, went to go anoint him as king, that they found him hiding behind baggage, hiding behind the baggage of I can't, hiding behind the baggage of I won't, hiding behind the baggage of who I am or what I don't have. But the Bible says something differently about David. In Psalm 69 some scholars believe that this psalm was written by David when he lived in the house of Jesse when he was a young boy. And so he's in the house of Jesse, and the Bible says that he writes this psalm. And in the psalm, he begins to say things like, I'm a stranger and a foreigner to my family, to my mother and to my mother's children. They beat me, they ridicule me in my own family, they leave me with nothing. They, he even goes to explain that they put vinegar in his drink and they put poison in his food. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, brother or no brother, you poison my food, we're we going to fight. Like, it's going, it's going, like, you just ain't going to do that. And so he's got, he's got this, I mean, every reason to be insecure. He deals with this influence of insecurity. The Bible also says that when David was, was anointed king, that he showed up at the house 
of Jesse. Oh, that Saul, Samuel showed up at the house of Jesse, and all of the sons were lined up there. And he, he says, none of these guys are it. He says, do you have another? And we know the story. Jesse says, yeah, there's another one out tending the field. And we think that David's out there, just happened to miss out. It was just his rotation, and that he was out frolicking with the sheep, like having a good time, playing target practice with his sling and his rock, but, and playing his harp, having a great time. But when you actually break down in Hebrew, the word youngest there, it isn't actually in English youngest. The word is translated to what we call the runt. And he says, do you have anybody else? Basically what Jesse's saying is, yeah, but I got a runt out back. You get the feeling here. Yeah, I've got somebody that doesn't, that doesn't even belong in this room, and he's out tending the sheep, and if you want them, I can go get them, but I'll go ahead and tell you there ain't nothing, you ain't going to like what you see. So he's got, I mean, imagine the level of insecurity that he's got on the inside of him, how he could respond to what he's encountering. He's got a reason. Just like Saul, Saul's story was, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin the worst household that there is. Why are you talking to me? David says, hey, I was called the runt. My brothers beat me and poisoned me and put vinegar in my, my drink. And he's got every reason to find. And the Bible says that when Samuel went to find Saul and anoint him king, that he was hiding behind baggage. He was insecure. But the Bible says also about David, who experienced the same insecurity. In Acts chapter 13, it describes him as a man after the heart of God. See, listen, insecurity will do two things in your life. It will either draw you closer to people and things and this world, and you'll find your security in there, or it will get, you'll find confidence in your identity in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that David went after the heart of God with everything he had. The difference was pride, but David found confidence in who he was in God. The two mechanisms to deal with this insecurity that every single one of us, when we're battling or going after something bigger than ourselves, that we have an opportunity to, to encounter these influences. The next thing that I love about what David did, David was obedient. And there's something, there's another influence that comes your way when you're, when you're really pursuing God, and we see it on these journeys of these two kings to the battlefield. And the next influence that we can talk about is the influence of frustration. Anybody ever been frustrated, Right? Trying to get the kids out the door today. I know, trust me. <clears throat> it's frustration. This is what frustration does. Sometimes we just get frustrated at God. We get frustrated because, listen, frustration produces disobedience in your life. Frustration produces, because obedience isn't easy. Anybody that says obeying God every time is always easy. They're, you know, they're, I don't, don't trust them that much, right? <laughs> there are things we have to overcome. It doesn't, it's frustrating not, not to your spirit, it's frustrating to your flesh. When Saul was told by, by the prophet, he said, hey, go kill everything, go take out the Milkites. It was frustrating by the people and to Saul himself to think that the resources that he was getting ready to wipe out would benefit his flesh. Man, if I get rid of every animal, it's going to take away resources. If I get rid of the king, it's going to be bad. And so now I have to make a decision. I have to listen to the people because it's frustrating to your flesh to be obedient to God. And I want you to know that every single day during worship, in the morning at work at 9 a.m., when that person walks by and gives you that, that information that you know is not pure of heart, when you're in a worship service or in a message like this and you're trying to receive it from God, there's a decision always is are you going to be obedient or are you going to be frustrated? 
Are you going to be obedient or are you going to be frustrated? And there's a fight happening to keep you from being obedient in your life to God. There's a fight happening. Uh, Proverbs 29, 11 says this, says that fools are quick to express their anger, but wise people are patient and they control themselves. So fools, because listen, frustration likes instant gratification. That's why when you get frustrated that you, you blow up and you blow out and, and you cause a mess and you cause a scene and you, and you don't act like yourself when you're frustrated because, because it's uncomfortable. It, it doesn't feel right to your flesh and your, your flesh doesn't like obedience to God because this is what frustration will do. Frustration will sacrifice divine promises on the altar of temporary pleasures because frustration wants, wants quick resolution, wants quick action. And Saul's frustration was when he was told to destroy the Amalekites, it didn't sit well with himself nor the people that he was listening to. And let me tell you, obedience will take you places that you could go with nothing else in your life when you're obedient to God. And and here's the thing, Saul could have looked at this thing and, and said, hey, but I killed some of the Amalekites. I killed some of the people. I killed some of the animals. And a lot of times we, God tells us to do something or explains to us how we're supposed to live a life of, of a, as a believer. Or God reveals things in our life and we're saying, well, God, we're doing some of it, but we might not be doing all of it. We're killing some of the Amalekites, but we're sparing the king. We got rid of some of the animals, but we spared uh, some of them as well. And I want you to know today, and, and, I, and I'm being completely honest with you here, but, but listen, partial obedience is disobedience. There is no such thing, and we see it defined here, that as, as, and listen, some of us, even coming out of this purposeful parenting and walking into this thing that we're doing, is that God's revealed some things to us as believers, as parents, as grandparents, as adults, as leaders in our community, in our church, where God wants us to implement things in our life, but we're allowing fear to stricken us and and, and allowing, allowing frustration to keep us from being fully obedient to what God wants us to do. It's, it's, it's keeping us from it. David's frustration comes. Saul had frustration being obedient when taking out the Milkites. David also, as king on his journey, had frustration. If you remember, after David was anointed, he kind of went back and he, he was with Saul and he, he was sent back to Jesse's house to take care of the sheep. And while he's there, he goes and, and his father says, hey, uh, David, I need you to take lunch to your brothers. Now, do you remember what I told you his brothers did to him? What did they do to his lunch? They put Tide Pods in his, in his cereal. Like, they poisoned his food. They put vinegar in his drink. Like, they, they didn't take care of him. Hand me that, Jenna, underneath that second seat there. This is not, I didn't tell her about this. There you go. And so he says, I want you to take first off, let me say this. This is not my lunchbox. If your child goes to SCA, this could possibly be their lunchbox. I found it in the lost and found this morning when I was looking for something. If you want it back, first service didn't claim it. I told them I had to have it for second service as a prop. If this is yours, find me after service. We t- hey, we threw away the moldy sandwich. The Capri Sun's still in here. Okay, so don't panic. It can be yours. Just come find me after service. You can have it back. But, but he goes home, and Jesse says, take your brother's lunch. How frustrating is that? It's like, Dad, can we talk about this for a minute? 
Like I think, I think they're well fed. I think they can go without just one meal, right? Do, can we, can, do you remember what they did to my lunch? And I'm sure David's taking this thing and he's like frustrated walking around. Say, I hope, I hope they, I hope they choke on the chicken wing that's in this thing. Like, I hope, I hope there's salmonella in the Capri Sun. Like, I hope that there's something in this thing that's gonna, there's frustration that builds up because why? Because David, who was anointed king, who's fought the lion and fought the bear, is now having to deliver something as a, in the form of a lunchbox to his brothers who are on the front line. And it's frustrating. And he could have made the decision to not deliver the lunchbox. He could have made the decision that he's better than this, that there's pride, he's too prideful, he's not going to be obedient, that frustration is going to take him out. But what you don't understand, and what David probably knew in the back of his mind, in the depths of his soul, was that this looks like an ordinary lunchbox, but behind this lunchbox is a giant opportunity. Because this is not just food for his brothers. This lunchbox is taking him to a place that if he's obedient and what the, and what the Lord wants him to do, he's going to walk on a battlefield and claim victory for the entire nation. It feels ordinary. It feels not right. It's frustrating. But if you'll be obedient, some of you right now have lunchbox things going on in your life. You don't understand it. You don't know why it's here. You're called to something greater. It's meant something different. But if you'll be obedient with an ordinary lunchbox, God will reveal to you some giant opportunities he's placed in front of you. It's ordinary. It's not right. It, it seems frustrating to my flesh because here's what happened is even in, in, when David, uh, when he had the lunchbox, I'm sure his flesh said no, but God said, I need you to go. See, a lot of times when it's, when it's ordinary and, and we're dealing with things in our life and, and it doesn't make sense, our flesh should be like, no, 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 you don't have to obey that. That's not for you. And God said, if you'll just go. If you'll just be faithful in what I've given you, if you'll be faithful to lunch, I promise you I'll reveal something greater than you ever had before. And if you'll, and on the other side of your obedience is a giant opportunity. On the other side of your obedience is your purpose and your plan. And if you overcome these influences, if you overcome frustration and you overcome insecurity, I promise you, this church today, I want to tell you, if you overcome these things, you'll see God do great and mighty things in your life like you've never seen before. Don't over look the ordinary. God wants to do something powerful. God wants to do something great. God wants to move in your life like never before. And don't let, don't hide behind the baggage of frustration, the baggage of insecurity, and don't miss an opportunity that God has placed for you from the beginning of time. What gets me about this is that Saul had the exact, he heard the exact same words that David did. As a matter of fact, he heard them for longer. On that day, the delivery of the lunch from David, he's bringing it. And the Bible says that when Saul heard it, when Saul heard it in chapter 17, it says that Saul, when he heard the, the shouts of the Philistines, when he heard the decoration of, of, of the giant Goliath, when he heard it, the Bible says that he was shaken with fear. He was shaken because the third influence that seems to run ravage to try to derail you is the influence of intimidation. I'll never measure up. 
is too big. The expectations are too high. It's so easy to compromise, and it's so hard to hold a standard. Did somebody hear that? It's so, compromise is so easy, but the fight in the standard is hard. And that day, when intimidation came into, into the camp, Saul himself, hearing the same words and, and dealing with the same giant and, and being on the same battlefield, hid himself behind the tent of intimidation. Hid himself and did not allow himself to walk out because intimidation produces fear. Intimidation produces fear. And I want to say this, Saul experienced fear, but he missed his opportunity because your greatest victories and your greatest fears go hand in hand. I'm going to tell you, some of you are fearing something right now that God has created and produced to be your greatest victory. What is it that you won't touch with a 10-foot pole? What is it that you wake up in the morning and worry is flooding your heart, is flooding your soul? And what is it? Because, listen, your greatest fears are often the places of your greatest victory. And Saul, being so influenced by frustration, insecurity, intimidation, missed out on his greatest victory, his, his kingship-defining moment. End up falling into the lap of a young boy who said, you know what? I hear the same message as you, Saul. I hear the same giant. I see the same army. I had the same insecurities that you've had, Saul. Actually, I can level up you if they've tried to poison me. He says, I've had the same frustrations. I had to deliver this lunchbox today, Saul. This, I have, this is frustrating for me too. But the difference is, is that fear and intimidation and insecurity and, and frustration did not live inside of David and it didn't reside there. When it got to the point where David walked before Saul, and we know the story, that he walked before Saul, and Saul looks at him with fear in his eyes and says, you can't go out there dressed like that. You can't go out there looking like that. You can't go out there equipped like that. You don't have enough. This, is, this guy's intimidating. He's, he's scary. And all David says, I refuse to be fearful like you. I refuse to walk in foolishness and frustration. I refuse to be disobedient. And he walks out that door and he stands before the giant. And when he gets to the place, his battle's already been won. Because he walks out and, and Goliath, we know the story, he looks at him and he says, hey, you come out at me like this? And David says, I don't need a sword and a shield. I came out to you in the name of that is above every name. How about that for God confidence? I came at you with a purpose and a plan. And I think it comes to what we need to get to a place where we refuse to be intimidated. We put our faith in what God says, not, not the mechanism of pride and our own abilities, but knowing, hey, if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be today? I believe David went before Saul, and as Saul is trembling in his tent, he says, he says, you don't understand, Saul. When I was out with the sheepfold, a lion showed up, and God was with me. And when I was out there with the sheep guarding, he says, a bear showed up, and I ripped him apart with my hands. It comes from Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ, which is on the inside of me. My confidence isn't found in what people have to say, Saul. My confidence isn't found in your armor. My confidence is found is in the one who resides on the inside of me. And there's power and there's authority and there's provision because he's with me. 
He refused. He refused and he stood before the giant and just, see, the the question isn't, are you gonna kill your giant? The question is, are you even gonna step out on the battlefield today? While Saul's dealing with all his worry and anxiety and depression and out there worrying about, about what people are thinking, David walks out with nothing more than a sling and a stone. I said, God, if this is all you want me to have, then this is what you're, I'm going to have. It's frustrating for sure. I'm sure the armor not fitting was a little frustrating. I'm sure, I'm sure the journey to get there was so frustrating. I've, I, I, didn't, I feel this in the second service. Everybody stand with me. I feel it right now that I didn't feel in the first. But if you're dealing with frustration today, I want want you to know every pastor and every leader that's been up on this stage today has dealt with these influences. No one is omitted from these things just like you're not. But the difference is, how are you gonna respond to the influences? How are you gonna respond? What are you gonna do about it? We were here on Sunday, on Friday, And I was, I was actually kind of going over some of these things and I got, um, I asked her if I could talk about this. And I got a phone call and it was, and I missed it in the office. I came back in, they said, hey, you gotta miss a phone call. They want you to call you back. They got a testimony. I was like, great, I'll, I'll listen. I'll listen to testimonies, <laughs> amen. If you call and say I have a problem, I might accidentally lose your note. No, I'm just messing. Um, and the phone call was, they might be here today, I don't know. and. She said, hey, I got a testimony for you. She said, I was at church on Wednesday night. How many people were here Wednesday night? It was awesome. If you're not here, listen, get here. It's awesome. And God gave a word Wednesday night during our service, and it was that there's going to be an act of obedience this week that's going to open the door to a miracle. It was during transition. And I just said when it happened, I knew it was God, and I said, I want to hear a testimony this week of what God does by an act of obedience. And she said that this week that they had been praying and believing God for, for, a, for a breakthrough. And they came Wednesday night. They were tired, had things going on, getting late. And the kids said, hey, we want to go to church. Aren't you thankful for a church your kids want to go to? Yeah, that deserves it right there. <clears throat> and I think they drive from Leland. Any Leland people in the house? Yeah, a few, three, four, five, okay. And so they, they, they dropped from Leland, so they rolled in and a little bit late came in and they heard the word and said, that's for me. We're gonna hold on to it because they're believing for a financial breakthrough in their family, in their finances. And they said, she said that God had been given scripture and she was taking notes from Psalms and sending to her husband that what God's gonna do. And they held on to the word that came Wednesday night and said that Friday when she was at the house that she grabbed her baby and the Lord said, I want you to worship me and dance before me. And I mean, no, that's gotta be the Lord, right? That's one of those things you go and close the blinds before you do and make sure, like, is a FedEx man bringing my Amazon package right now? Cause he's gonna be freaked out. That's why he throws up on your doorstep. And just did something out of the ordinary. God gave her a commandment. God told her to do something, and she did it. And she said that that same day, later on in the day, after, she, after she's read her Bible and prayed and believed in God and, and stepped out and being obedient, that her husband called and works for a, a company in Wilmington that, that does maybe annually uh, it, you know, uh, raises or something like that, very by the book, very, you can expect what to encounter. And said that she got a phone call 
that out of nowhere, he got pulled into a meeting by his boss. His boss says, effective immediately, you're getting a $10,000 raise. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome? Just, just an act of obedience, not getting frustrated, not getting insecure, not getting intimidated by your circumstance or your situation. Just have an act of obedience and see God move in your life. Just be obedient, walk out on the battlefield, and you're going to see a victory in your life. Because what you see as an ordinary lunch, you'll find yourself holding the head of a giant opportunity. It's going to belong to you. It's going to be yours. Now listen, don't come to me and be like, where's my $10,000 at, Pastor? I'm not saying that. Back up. What I am saying, though, if you're obedient, God will do his part. Amen? And I know, listen, every single one of us on the stage battles and deals with these types of influences uh, regularly. But, but I want you to know this. I know that everyone's greatest fear is failure. But counter to that, I also know that everyone's greatest pain is regret. And I don't want you to be in this service or go to this church to be a member of Highest Praise Church and walk out of here with a pain of regret that haunts you for a long time. What if I would have responded to that message? What if I would have worshiped on Friday afternoon in the middle of my house when God said to do it? What if I would have stepped out in faith and said, you know what, I'm not gonna be frustrated and foolish. I'm not gonna be insecure. I will not be intimidated by my circumstance. What if you just do and be obedient to what God says? What would happen? You would not live with regret, I promise you that. And you would find giant opportunities on the other side of your obedience. It's going to happen. And the Bible says in the moment that David refused to be intimidated, he found himself victorious on the battlefield. Victorious on the battlefield. And I'm hope, my hope today is that this message likes something, likes hope on the inside of you, that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ask or ever think. I want him to blow the minds of your own expectations when you're obedient to him. Because listen, if you don't respond, if you do not respond, the enemy will exceed your expectation of regret. It will. If you don't respond, he'll take you to deep, dark places and he'll use your lack of obedience to do it. But today, every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe this, this, this right here, this response is for the believer. If you're in this room and you say, hey, I'm dealing with insecurity, I, I, just, just like everyone else in this room, I'm dealing with frustration and, and I've got a lunchbox I'm carrying and it don't make sense, but I'm believing today that if I respond, there's a giant opportunity. You may be intimidated today, even by this word, but I want you to know if you lay down intimidation and pick up praise, if you lay down insecurity and pick up worship, if you lay down frustration and pick up obedience, God's going to do something. Hallelujah. So Jesus, if you're saying today, hey, I need, I need freedom and deliverance, insecurity, intimidation, or, or distraction, and I, I need you to raise your hand right now. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, hey, I, I need agreement. I need you to agree with me, pastor. I need this thing to break off and fall off my life. Come on, there's more. That's not the only one. Hey, don't regret this position of opportunity. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, 
but if you raise your hand, I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to pray and believe like God's going to do it. I pray like the battle's already won. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I, I break the bondage of insecurity over the minds of your believers in the name of Jesus, God. God, I come against, God, frustration. And God, I thank you, Lord, that frustration will not grow in your believers, God. But God, we will see obedience rise up from the inside, God, because we find our hope and nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness, Father. And I come against intimidation. Hallelujah. God, I declare that no giant is too big for our God. And God, I pray that we, we see ourselves, God, holding the head of every giant that tries to show itself in our life, Lord. I declare it. God, and may we receive it and walk in it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen, amen. Put your hands together and thank the Lord. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen. Listen. We, don't, we do not, at this church, as leadership, as pastors, Pastor Sherwin, we do not want you settling for a second-ranked, weaker version of who God's called you to be. And as you walk out of this place today, I want you to have the mentality that it stops today. It stops with me. It stops with me and my family. It stops with me in, 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 in my life and my marriage. And today, there's going to be giant opportunities that I'm going to walk into. There's going to be things that I see that I never thought I was capable of seeing. Things that I thought disqualified me. I know that today I'm qualified. It's going to happen. I want you, as you walk out of this place, to pick up your spiritual stone and get ready to slay every giant that shows up in your life. Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. I thank him. So don't listen. If you, listen, if you need prayer, you saying, hey, I want to agree with you. I want to agree. I need, I need somebody to, to I, I got a testimony. I, need, I got a prayer request. I want to, I, I got insecurity. I got, I want to talk to somebody. We have prayer workers up here. I'm going to be up here today. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to come. But I want you to know this, that there's a giant opportunity in front of every person that walks out the door if you respond today. Amen. We love you. We're thankful that you came worship with us today and we'll see you Wednesday. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpriestchurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.